Hi folks, this is Adrian A. Wallace and you have reached me in the life room. Thank you for joining. Today I'd like to talk about an area of um, focus and concentration for me, um, which has spanned my entire career, and that would be the area of diversity and inclusion. I started my career um, back in the early or mid-90s, actually, before graduating college, and I started working in advertising and sales agencies. And in working in advertising and sales agencies, predominantly because I focus in the area of um, obviously brand and product marketing and then sales, I always noticed a very strong balance of men and women in those particular fields, in those particular areas. These are high knowledge, relationship, personality-driven areas. So there was an equitable balance of both men and women, especially in the marketing space, lots of women, lots of women crafting the wording, reorienting and repositioning brands, um, and maintaining contact and services, client services with customers. So in terms of the balance of the sexes, I saw probably anywhere from a 45-55 balance, mainly men, but pri primarily an equitable balance in the number of people, men and women, working in these particular categories. As I expanded my career and became a leader, manager, vice president, I saw fewer and fewer women. And beyond seeing fewer and fewer women and being one of the only women, I saw fewer and fewer African-American, Black, Asian, Hispanic people in the areas of business and in the ranks of business that I was in. And I made a mental note of it. I made a mental note that as I got higher, I was working for and with more white men. There were less and less women there were certainly far less African-American, Black, and Hispanic people. And the folks that are Asian persuasion tended to be in the scientific areas. They tended to be in the areas of research. They tended to be in the areas of IT and technology support. And so I realized that there was diversity in those categories that are scientific in orientation, but they were predominated by folks of an ethnic majority being Asian. And when I say Asian, that could be people who are from um, China or Thailand or Japan or India. So it seemed to be predominant that in the areas that were scientific to our business of measurements, reports, analysis, oh, and let's not leave out finance, that those ethnic persuasions belong to that area. So um, for me, as I was conscious of that throughout my career, I made a point of making sure that I interrelated and developed a lot of connective tissue in terms of being able to communicate with all the diverse people in my business, 
They all were contributors to my business. They all um, helped to grow and sustain the business that I had. And they had incredible insights above and beyond the business that I needed to engage in to understand and to help direct strategy and determine where we should go next. They also provided lots of connections in terms of new relationships, especially in instances where I was responsible for strategic partnerships or new business development. The conscientious part of me um, said that as a woman and as a black woman, I was raised in a particular way. And I was raised in a way that dictated that I didn't have any real options other than to achieve and to achieve maximum benefit, not only for myself, but for the legacy, rather the family that I belong to. So I have parents of Caribbean descent who I am a first generation American because they came to this country and had children after coming to this country. And they worked in labor-oriented markets um, that are medical profession and scientific technology-based professions. And reading math, science, technology was always a part of not only the areas that our parents stressed that they wanted us to do particularly well in in school, but it was part of our social conditioning at home that we would read, that we would do homework, that we would go beyond the chapters appointed to us in school. And that is uniquely cultural. Um, and there are many cultures across the human diaspora, particularly in immigrant populations, that give, those, give their children those core focuses. This is a great thing because as you enter into the work world, there are less and less people who look like you if you are an ethnic minority. And if you are not sitting in a role that helps to catalyze, transform, drive the business, you can be forgotten. When you get into a role that helps to catalyze, transform, drive, and sustain the business, the ideal thing to do and the responsible thing to do is to reach back and mentor or sponsor folks who look like you, who are diversely, diver, ethnically diverse, who have diverse thought and diverse function within your business. It is important to include the insights of a diverse population in managing to and expecting results and gaining positive results on your business. When we don't do that in the world that we live in, we end up having a very limited global view. We have a limited cultural view. And we have a distaste that develops within the consumer markets. Because in many ways, what that is saying 
to the consumer markets, be it a commercial or person, personal consumer market, being an individual person or household, what is saying to not have employees that are ethnically diverse and contributors that are ethnically diverse is you're telling your customer that their money is good, but they're not good enough. Remember that. When you do not have an ethnically diverse organization and diverse contributors to your organization and diverse suppliers, you are saying to your customer, be it a personal customer on a consumer side or a commercial customer, you are saying to them that their money is good, but they're not good enough. Or people that look like them or have orientation like them is not good enough. So let's talk about how we achieve that. There are many, many ways. Obviously, it's important to source and look for candidates that are ethnically diverse. They should have the merit and the credentials that are necessary to do the job, to join the organization, as is scoped in your organization. But they should come in with nurturing as part of the propensity to keep them in your business. They should come in with mentoring as part of the propensity to keep them in your business. When we are not achieving that in terms of our employees and individual contributors, we are falling short. Businesses fall short all the time in that regard. It's not only your employee base that needs to be inclusive and ethnically diverse and culturally diverse. And culture is about behavior oftentimes, social behavior. So that allows us to include folks who are not only ethnically diverse, but by virtue of their lifestyles, they're not typical. So lesbian, gays, bisexual, and transgender communities, for example, veterans communities, for example, disabled communities, for example, all-inclusive, above and beyond ethnicity. The work is with HR, corporate communications, the areas of training and research, the board and the CEO in particular. And accountability should live with the managers of various business units that make up your overall business in order to achieve this. And accountability to the level of their salaries and bonuses are dependent on achieving diversity and inclusion as a norm, not just as a nice to have or something to say, not just as a trend for now, but as a norm. We could conceivably end up in our next best civil rights movement that has nothing to do with the color of people's skin, but has more to do with who people are socially. 
So ethnic and social diversity, allowing people with disabilities, for example, to get fair play in organizations and in roles that their disability doesn't hinder them from doing. This could be a next up opportunity. And from a political and social standpoint, it could be the very next civil rights movement. We obviously are seeing that happening across the country and across the world with the LGBT community and allowing for same-sex marriages and companies coming to the stage and saying, we're gonna offer same partner benefits when we offer our employee benefits. We're not just gonna look at heterosexual partners. We're not just gonna look at people who have a legal marriage. We're gonna look at LGBT relationships and domestic partnerships as well to provide and extend benefits for our employees. So the consciousness, intention and action behind that is occurring. Where else do we have the opportunity to infuse and activate diversity and inclusion? In the area of buying services, in the area of buying product to support the businesses that we run. This area is called sourcing, strategic sourcing, procurement. Looking at diverse suppliers, women-owned businesses, Black and African-American-owned businesses, Hispanic-owned businesses, veteran and disabled businesses. Looking at those distinctions and sourcing and giving opportunity to those businesses to pitch for your business. But not only pitch for your business, but when they come in, giving them the opportunity to stay with you as a business partner, giving them the guidance that they need to operate they tend to be smaller, these diverse suppliers. They tend to not have as large a staff. They tend to not have as much capital and therefore they are more limited in their capacity. So there are supplier financing programs and there are training programs and national organizations and consultants who actually help to teach minority-owned and ethnically and socially diverse businesses how it is to navigate the terrain in serving their specialties, their products, their services to your business. The National Minority Supplier Development Council the Women's Business and Entrepreneurial Network Council, otherwise known as WeBank, the NGLCC, which is the National Gay and Lesbian Chamber of Commerce, 
the U.S. Hispanic Chamber of Commerce, the Asian American Chamber of Commerce. There are a host of different chambers of commerce whereby small business and minority business owners can gain membership and get the learning and the access to business in order for them to survive and thrive and have equal opportunity in American commerce. Diversity and inclusion is not a trend. It is a necessity. It is the wave that we need to jump on to sustain our businesses. It gives us not just localized play, but it gives us a globalized opportunity in delivering good, good business, good products, good solutions to the world in which we serve. Those are my thoughts today as it relates to diversity and inclusion. In the event that you want to have a conversation, seek consulting on opportunities in this unique area and necessary area of diversity and inclusion, please don't hesitate to reach out either through the means by which you're receiving this podcast or on LinkedIn, Twitter, or SoundCloud. I look forward to hearing from you. And I thank you for joining me today in the life room.